What do you do? Let's see here. Uh, first one that comes to mind is, I, I mean, I am a musician. I'm cl a classically trained pianist. Uh, no kidding. I'm living in Austin, so I do pick up the guitar uh, <laughs> quite quite frequently. Uh, there's a lot to be inspired by around there. Um, so definitely spend some time around that. Um, been known to cook a thing or two and, and collect a little wine. Um, so I'm sorry. So you play the guitar, but... Originally, your education was classical. Music. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a class, classical pianist. Somewhere around high school, um, got into uh, guitar a bit more. I mean, it was just kind of like the time when um, early mid '90s when a lot of people were playing playing the guitar. Yeah, never well, got any good at it. Um, it was kind of funny. Found myself a few years ago. I had two guitars. One left behind by um, a housemate ten years ago. And mm -hmm. one that my brother left behind, we went to the army and I had these two guitars. I'm playing one of them. And I was like, wait a second. I have a, I have like, I have a job. I could actually go and pick out like a real, you know, guitar, not just like one that was left behind by a, a roommate or, or brother or whomever in the, in the nineties. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was pretty cathartic for me to think that I could just go into a guitar shop and, 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 and pick one out. And all the ones that I dreamed of when I was a kid were quite affordable suddenly. So um, did that and then fast forward about a year and a half and I found myself in Austin. So um, I find that I was in San Francisco at the time. Um, so it, it definitely um, it, it sucks you in before you know it, you're living in, a, in, a, in, in the music city. Yeah, most definitely. Listen, it was great to see you in uh, Austin. That was a, you know, one of those, ah, you look familiar. What are you doing yeah. in Austin kind of thing? But besides yeah. that, yeah, Austin is, is amazing. It's a, the, needless to say, the music and it's only, not only 6th Street, it continues to 4th oh, Street. And, yeah. The There's live bands at the airport. I, I did not see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go through TSA, take a left. Um, there's live music there. It's a stage. Usually when I pass the TSA, I usually go for, okay, where's the lounge? But uh, yeah. yeah, I live mean, where Salt Lake is. There's the barbecue there too. Yeah, no, that's important. Did you, who, who recommended that? I think it was Andrew, uh, no, in Austin to try uh, mm -hmm. black, black something uh, barbecue. Oh, there's Terry Blacks. There's two Blacks. Terry yes. Blacks, I can't remember the name of the other one. Yeah, I think it was Terry Black when Terry you Black, go yeah, south yeah. of the south of the yeah, river. Yeah, south of the lake. Um, I mean, they they call it a lake. The rest of us know it's a river. It's but, a river. It's like yeah. it's how is that even? A, okay, never mind. Okay, so they call it a river. Huh? Learned they, something they new today. Yeah. Now I remember when I was when we were talking about the nineties, right? Teenager, long hair, mm -hmm. and, you know, Nirvana, oh, Metallica. That yeah. was that was the thing. I back then I had like an Ibanez and a Spanish guitar. Mm -hmm. And for so ninety five graduation, I tried mm -hmm. to play tapping and distortion uh, the toccata. Uh, uh, like toccata D minor, uh, D yeah, D minor exactly. Um, yeah, I didn't really work. Although it it was it was a very how can I say that interesting experience you yeah. know in front of the school the parents and everything it started very well 
and yeah. from there yeah the the, uh, the little staccato part yeah and it's it's pure tapping here and it i remember i practiced that then i had i broke my hand but long story short again that was almost album yeah it was almost like 30 years ago sad to say but again what was your favorite metallic album sorry what was your favorite metallic album surprising i it was actually a metallica metallica really i i yes yes i loved metallica metallica because that was i would say almost also the easier to learn but oh, then of yeah. course yes uh, so i heard it so many times a yeah. uh, master of puppets was great ride the lightning was also had those moments but um i, I think that after metallica metallica I didn't even yeah. hear any I didn't well, really that, was that was the gateway for so many people already yeah because that came out in 91 they just celebrated the 30th anniversary of the album wow. coming out uh, just wow. a few, few few months ago and it was so many riff at the first the, the first thing i ever picked up a guitar and played was the riff of enter sandman was the first yeah. thing because it's just like and they learned recently that i was playing that's fingering the thing wrong um so definitely the gateway it came around to puppets um absolutely yeah so should we actually talk about insurance and stuff like that or like to all right okay let's talk about it it's like so great guitar Piano, mm-hmm. sorry, piano, guitar, classic, da, da, da. Yeah, I can talk about Chopin and Rachmaninoff too, if you like. But we could, let's okay. go to insurance. Sounds good. Well, Rachmaninoff will be too complicated for me. I wish I wish I could talk about it, but it's, a, it's beyond me. Way, way, way beyond me. Um, so... How the hell did you get into insurance? Oh, insurance. Well, yes. I mean, I wasn't in love with insurance so much as I was in love with data. I, my background is computer science, AI, data platforms, things like that. And what I see in insurance is just a fantastic data problem. I studied AI, um, probability, stuff like that. And it's, it's, I mean, well, the actuarial science, of course, is a study of, of probability. What are the chances that this or that is going to happen? And then you back the whole thing by data platforms managing um, um you know, managing users and risk and things like that and categorizing it. And then the, the end result of it, what I found really satisfying um, aesthetically from an economic perspective, that the net result of it, of course, what insurance does is, um, you know, the things we see on, you know, television ads of helping the family when the branch falls in their house in a storm and things like that. And it's very important, cares for the people, people when they're at the most vulnerable. But from a business perspective, what it does is it takes otherwise complicated uh, business operations and makes them, uh, gives them uh, uh, financial boundaries, limits, so that if I need a package shipped from A to B, I can count on exactly the cost to do it. And if there's a problem, then it can compensate and so forth, um, as opposed to um, there being an asterisk. When's it, when's it going, what's it going to cost me? Oh, it's going to cost this much, unless this, unless this. And then you wrap that one that one operation with two little asterisks next to it of if it, it's going to cost this much unless this happens. And that's one business operation. Well, to do anything significant business, you stack hundreds or thousands of them. So I think of insurance as kind of like, I think of it like a, um, a container ship. When you look at a container ship, you have these containers. Is it necessarily the most spatial efficient? That's not the point. The point is it takes arbitrarily sized things and makes them stackable puts limits around it so that you can put them, you can, you can, you can line them up 
and you can you can conduct business in ways that are are efficient and contained and people can know what they're what, what they're going to get because if anything happens outside the box it's compensated for and so forth and that's like the um it's such an such an aesthetically pleasing way to 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 think of business to think of the world where transactions can happen with li with limited risk and when you think about the power of that um, you know, when I see a container ship, I think about the power of there being containers so things become stackable and so forth, other than just a heap of stuff. Um, I feel like that's what's happening from a, a transaction perspective. But then also hmm. um, the, the technology side of it to make it to make it to make it all work. And what I saw in insurance is this really interesting economic and mathematical problem coupled with a technology problem that nobody had ever, frankly, built a good data model of an insurance policy. And behind every insurance company is a policy administration system, but no one had actually built a productized version of this. It turned out every single one of them was like a custom suit, which is great if you're buying a suit. Um, but when you want is when when you know you want uniformity and you want features and all the sorts of things that we buy software for in the first place, then what you want is you want a standard version where I buy a copy, you buy a copy, same copy, the upgrade together, and so forth. Um, and then you stack on top of that the cloud movement. You stack on top of that. Um, um, the, the movement towards open APIs, and it, it's um, there's some just amazing things happening there. And then, of course, I had a specific uh, business opportunity for initial customers and expertise, and so forth. And the thing, the thing, the thing came together. So when you when we think about it, I usually use the analogy of a safety net. I love the fact that you're using the analogy of containers because that makes a little bit more sense, especially if we think about the insurance companies. That yeah, we need to sell these products, but they need to fit or whatever the risk that we need needs to fit in this container. It cannot yeah. be bigger. Mm -hmm. If we are not packing it correctly, basically we are underutilizing yep. the risk that we get in. If we are getting, pushing in something that doesn't really yeah. fit, yeah. well, we, we are going to sing. And that aren't stackable because each one mm -hmm. compounds risks and, and corner cases and, and tail risks all over the place. And it makes a mess. And to do any any significantly complex um, business operation, and for that they have different size and colors of uh, containers, and that's all about the policies that they sell. So well, it's about policies having colors, but you, yeah, well, sure. the, I don't know. Yeah, the colors doesn't really matter for this analogy. It yeah. will be more about well, you know, for the marketing, so people can recognize, oh, that's container coming from yeah. that company. But mm -hmm. if we are following this uh, analogy and talking about the core system that you're providing, yeah. how, how do you fit in order to make those carriers? It's actually a carrier if we are using the shipping or the, the carriers, insurance company. Yes, right. <laughs> there are carriers of uh, containers. They have capacity. Oh, and they have capacity. Ah, love it. I love this all more and more by the second. So how's your solution as a core system? How do you, how do you support them and make them, I don't know, float better, have better yeah, capacity? <laughs> Let's see how far we can take this analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are going so with that. Look at enterprise software. Um, there's a there's a new there's I'd say emerging, but it's emerged. If you go out, if you go to some of the more tech forward industries, it has emerged. There's a new way to think about enterprise software, and mm -hmm. the the short version is best of breed wins. The the era of calling one vendor and having them build everything does not work because the 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 um, the systems are just too complicated for any one vendor. So you're, you're, and 
Now, there's a best of breed has a bit of a bad rap for valid historical reasons. The reason it has a bad rap is insurers think of best of breed as hiring two vendors and they're going to end up, it's going to end up not working and they're going to point fingers at each other. Of course. And yes, that's what happens when you hire two vendors and they're building custom software. Oh, only two vendors, you know. How about let, or, or let's, no, 20 vendors, exactly. Yeah, but that, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's, let's hit a, a quick pause here and give sort of a background about core system, who, all the history overview, yeah. because it used to be IBM, then you have Guidewire, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What's going on? What's the history? Well, history is, I mean, this thing started with mainframes. And if you, I mean, it's amazing how many, so many of the tier ones you run into today are still, still running on mainframes. They're running code. They're, they're selling policies today. And those policies are residing in, in, in systems that have been running nonstop since literally the seventies. And they're on mainframes. They're written in COBOL. You have, they're, they're hiring talented computer scientists out of university who know Python and JavaScript, and then showing them to their desk, giving them a COBOL book and saying, welcome and to, to <laughs> welcome to your new life. And invariably they have three to four architects that have been around for a very long time. They're being bribed by ever larger sums of money to not retire, despite their family's best wishes and interests. Um, because whenever something breaks, there's only two or three people in the whole organization that actually understand how the, old, how, how the whole thing works. That's the old, old way. Um, in, in, a, um, in a kind of a Duck Creek Guidewire um, era, it's brought it to, so it's still on a, you know, on a, it, it's, it's on a PC now still on-prem, but on, a, on at least a PC instead of a mainframe, still highly customized. Um, things are moving to, to, to the cloud. I should say that in air quotes, because what's happening a lot, so there's a lot of um, cloud. Cloud is often misunderstood in the following way. People think cloud, and very often what they mean is, I see, there are no servers in my building. Mm -hmm. that's, what that, that's what they're thinking of. And um, uh, installing your on-premises software in a rented server in another building is, is not cloud. I like to say it's like, like there was a similar movement 100 years ago uh, or more of people going away from factors, going away from having their own generators to, you know, using a grid. And if you were just put the generator in another building with an extension cord, that's not a grid. That just means you're renting the service or it's just moved to another building. Um, you know, analogous to the, the, the grid cloud, these are about a whole lot more than renting versus buying. I mean, if you, if you use, you use, you know, LinkedIn, Dropbox, Gmail, any of those sorts of things, you understand that this is something more than just being installed on a rented computer. It's continually upgrading. It has open APIs that everyone can use. It's, it, it just works all the time. And it, it has transitioned from being a piece of software to, to being a utility, frankly, something that you can just plug in and use. And yeah, this yeah. is a new era. This is the new paradigm of enterprise software generally. This is not unique to insurance. Uh, this is what was, I mean, the, the, the trailblazers here, the pioneers here are, are the likes of AWS, of course, Tr Twilio, Stripe. Mm -hmm. You think about what, what, what these are providing. They're providing um, infrastructures, very complicated infrastructures. Um, whereas taking Stripe as an example, payments that used to be part of, I, we had an early customer. So Socotra does not, we don't do policy. We don't, sorry, we don't do, um, we don't do not be pay payment processing. Yeah. 
And we had some someone who's been around the industry quite a while, one of our early customers, um, kind of get in her face once and say, I've never heard of a policy administration system that doesn't come with payment processing. And, you know, we didn't meet a standard for what should be in a policy administration system. But truth is, why would you want us to create a payment processor? You've got Stripe, you've got Square, you've got a dozen others. Just pick one, use it. Um, the APIs are right there. And so the enterprise of the, of the future is an assembly of these truly off the shelf, true cloud, truly open components. And when I say off the shelf, that's another word that's tossed around. It, 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 pretty simple. If it's off the shelf, you can get up and you can get your account in 10 minutes that does everything that the product mm -hmm. provides. That's, that's, that's off the shelf. I see boxes behind you on the shelf. How long would it take you to hand me one of the boxes that are in the room? It'd take you about 30 seconds. How long would it take for me to hand you a Facebook account? How long would it take for me to hand you a Dropbox account? How long would it take for me to hand you a Gmail account? That's off the shelf. So that's the paradigm enterprise is, is, is moving towards. And then, of course, the differentiation is the, the, the combinations in which you connect them, the way you configure the components. And there will be some custom components on top of it, like your custom, your user experience. If you're a consumer software, you're going to want to control every pixel of that customer experience. And so, perhaps behind the scenes or other things, but that's, that's your differentiation. So there is the infrastructure question, right? So moving from the on-prem, what is actually on-prem? Does it need to be here or can it be in a data center somewhere else and it will be part of my VPN? Can it be the cloud, which is almost the same concept, hybrid, not hybrid, whatever you like to call it, because most of the insurance companies don't have a, a server farm at the first or, I don't know, in a basement number two. They don't have it. It's somewhere else, right? But the question I think that most people don't really understand the core systems or a policy administration system, etc. What is the role? What is the main, what is the core functionality that they provide? You know, oh, okay. and then, you know, we, we see more and more folks, you know, with, I brought a guide wire. They are the more, uh, they are the new, we, we call them the new legacy. That's, uh, Mm -hmm. Then we have Duck Creek, Majesco. I, I'm naming a few of your yeah. uh, competitors. Are they competitors or it's because we see more and more that you have a, a few systems, a few core systems in the same company, well, mm -hmm. pending the size of the company. Mm -hmm. Oh, very few, very few large insurers have one core system. I don't know if any of them actually do. Quite often they have one core system per product line and yeah. they, um, and then the experimental and, and then they've but, done acquisitions and so forth it's it's a mess because and it's a mess yeah so let's start from the basic what is the basic functionality of a core system yeah so if i take it all the way down to the basics it's this where's the policy stored Where's the, where's the data representation? You have an insurance policy. Where's the data representation of that policy stored? Um, that system you, is usually responsible for generating quotes. Not always. Sometimes you could have a separate system for quotes. And then mm -hmm. when they actually want to underwrite, it goes into the policy administration system. It can do quotes or not. Um, sometimes it does claims. Sometimes claims could go to a separate system. Um, some of the inescapable things are things like uh, renewals, cancellations, uh, policy changes uh, called endorsements in, in United States, PNC speak. Um, 
are a big component of that. So if I have a policy, I want to make a change to the policy. I want to quote the change to the policy. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Now I have going to have this change. It's going to take place at some time in the future. Now I want to quote another change. And that change, second change I quote needs to take a, into account that that change is going to occur some period before the already scheduled change, some period after. Um, there's, there's a lot of really complex things that need to happen. And then those all needs to turn into invoices. They all have to be correct to the penny. Should the invoices have to have different, different components for, 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 for fees and for premiums that correspond to uh, different um, covers within the policy? There may be seated premium for reinsurance. Um, and all of that just assumes that you have a policy that never, uh, an insurance product, I mean, that never changes. As soon as there's changes to the insurance product, and then you're managing a product in four different versions side by side. And when you make a change to this policy, it is according to these rules, because those were the rules at the time the policy was originally underwritten, even though the current rules it, that would pertain to a new policy underwritten today are different. Uh, the problems get complicated very, very rapidly. And this is something we see in, the, in, in insure tech is very often you'll have a few um, entrepreneurs, very talented, lots of energy, who dive right into this. And um, the, sometimes they don't realize right away how deep the, the, the um, <laughs> how deep the rabbit hole goes in terms of what it takes to actually um, administer a policy. Um, and, once then you add, underwritten. That, and then you multiply it by 50 states and you go like, holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you're, yeah. then you can do one state uh, at the yeah. end of all of that. You're doing one state. Exactly. So those are the sorts of things. And that's what we're passionate about. That's also why, as you alluded to, um, the, the conference we're doing on January 27th, um, that's where we're passionate about creating community and dialogue around. So we're, uh, we, are, we are hosting Rethink Insurance in Palo Alto on January 27th. Yeah, I was, I was about, you know, to start that as a, like, its own topic and, you know, give like with yeah. all the trumpets and everything and ask you, hey, Dan, can we talk about rethinking insurance and, and the conference that you're creating? That is it a conference, yeah. a summit? How do you define that? Well, the, the, the heart of the conference isn't, um, it's not, I mean, we could have called the thing SocotraCon if we wanted to, but that's not okay. really about because there's a bigger movement happening here. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are, we are sharing most of the most most of the time is not going to be we're not going to be on the stage most of the time we are having our partners on stage we're having our customers on stage and um even for the period where uh, we, we have several of our customers lined up a mix of tier ones and insure techs and um I'm, I'm i want them to present what they're doing that's innovative they don't even have to talk actually all all i said is just show one block diagram at some point and i want our logo in there other than that the stage is yours Talk about your innovation because, I mean, people people can only listen to us for so long. Um, they want to hear about other things that are going on and other innovations and so forth. And frankly, there's a broader movement happening that is mm -hmm. so much bigger than Socotra. And this is the movement of modern enterprise, of components off the shelf, cloud that's real cloud. People actually publishing their APIs right on their websites so that any engineer can get licenses to a few things or even better, get evaluation licenses before they even buy in the first place and try them out rapid proof of concepts and um and that's also amazing. things that are continually upgrading and improving yeah i think that you know 10 years ago when i used to go and actually produce hackathons it was all about mm -hmm. the api if it was a yeah this isn't new different, okay and now and you know when i moved to and entered the insurance so that was seven years ago maybe 
It was, what the hell are we doing? Insurance, APIs, we don't have an APIs. No, we'll get it. Yeah. And now we were talking about sort of, okay, it's open. Just, there you go. Here, you can access yeah. my data. Let's yeah. create a new flow. Let's create, talk yeah. about innovation. By the way, the innovation that you're talking about, are we talking about insurance product? Are we talking about technology or all of the above? Um, oh, insurance product, absolutely. So I mean, we have, we have, we have customers doing all sides, kinds of exciting things with products around cyber. Of course, a lot of our customers are doing auto and then they're doing devices and apps and uh, things like that. Uh, new distribution channels. Um, um, trying to think of some really innovative ones. I'd have to, I'd have to um, chuck with, 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 uh, with, with marketing, which ones I'm allowed to talk about, but we're definitely going to be pushing it all the way to the edge of everything we can talk about. We will, we will, we will definitely be talking about in, in January. And then of course, talking about things that are coming and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about, we'll, we'll, we'll give an update on Socotra marketplace, which um, we, we outlined at ITC, which is um, uh, frankly, it, it's like, I mean, it's, it's in, it's currently in beta. We're working with our partners, but thing works. Our partners are writing apps against it every day. And it is, uh, it is the ability to add components to your Socotra deployment and build up your enterprise literally as easily as installing an app on your phone or a browser extension. Browser extension. So actually you're going to have Chrome extensions or plugins that will connect to what will be, can you show a use case or something? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm saying as it, it connects as easily as a browser extension. Ah, okay. Sorry, so, sorry. I mean, the culture. I want a payment provider. Okay, which payment provider would they like? I want that one. Go. Yeah. Spin no, that's it up. Cool. And, and you know, a few a few questions, but the questions are all mm -hmm. graphical. Like, okay, give me your account login for both of the two of these, and um, you know, answer maybe four questions and. Um, those sorts of things, because that's that's the future of the enterprise is be able to connect things together because things are made to connect. And uh, I mean, uh, think modern things are made to connect, old things so, were not. So, so publishing the APIs, mm -hmm. yeah. No, no, that, that's very interesting. And I'm very curious. So I'm involved now, I'm helping a insurance gig that they are trying to do, not trying, they're actually doing something very similar on a meta level in terms of a marketplace for insurance applications so the technology is snippets and parts of different apis and so you can create the flow on an industry level not just for a specific one and it's always interesting because the ecosystem that you build we've seen it with a couple of others that they have oh you can build this uh, plugin for our ecosystem what's the difference or how is your marketplace is going not marketplace your ecosystem or plugins are going to be different? What is that extra value that you provide them? Oh, the value is it, it, it's the ability to, um, okay. So Sokocha is the only policy administration system with open APIs. I mean, go, go, to, go, to, the, go to the websites of any other one and find the APIs. Um, mm -hmm. any, of the one, any one of the ones that you've given by name so far in this conversation anyway. Um, and and the, reason, the reason that they can't isn't, it's not because it's so secret and they're, they're afraid someone's gonna steal the technology. It's not even because it's outdated and they're embarrassed, although it's kind of outdated. And they, perhaps should be the reason the reason um, the incumbents, the legacy players can't publish their APIs is because there's no single API to publish. They made a custom version for this customer, a custom version for this customer, a custom version for this customer. They have their own custom APIs just for them or add a parameter, change a parameter, things like that. Um, so just putting up, having a consistent API 
reduces by an order of magnitude the amount of work it takes to build an integration. A proper marketplace platform reduces it by another order of magnitude. Because if I want to connect two pieces of software, actually probably it's, it's, it's probably more than one order of magnitude and more than yeah. one order of magnitude. But if you want to connect two pieces of software, yes, you have to write the connector code, but there's so many other components involved. You actually have to host it somewhere. You have to deploy to it. You have to manage your configuration. You have to securely manage your credentials. You have to, it's going to produce log files. You have to monitor the thing. When you want to upgrade it, you have to somehow, um, you have to, bring up the new version, bring out down the old one, and hopefully without interrupting anything. There's, there's, there's a whole pile of things that you need to do to write an integration that actually have nothing to do with the actual integration code yourself it, it, itself. So um, what we've done is productize that component so you can mm -hmm. supply just the integration code. And then um, Marketplace is just a library of these things. So, yep. if, I mean, if you can use Marketplace without using the public Marketplace, and um, use because a lot of our customers, they're, um, they're connecting Socotra to internal systems, um, proprietary internal systems, or maybe obscure, obscure data sources that only pertain to one, one specific insurance product, things like that. So to say, hey, we ship out of the box with these 10 integrations, it doesn't do any good to them if they're trying to connect, integrate us with something custom and internal to, to, to them. So our philosophy is to make it as easy as possible to make additional integrations. And then, of course, along the way, let's create a library of them. And that's what Marketplace is. And the library is super important, especially if you want to, uh, to build the flows. And so there will be, I would say, well, more creativity. So we'll have uh, more uh, building bricks so for, to create yeah. that, uh, whatever the suit of uh, services that you want to create. Yeah, wow. it's very exciting. And there's, there's lots of precedent here. You look at the way AWS does it. Look at the way Salesforce mm -hmm. does it. We're just bringing it to insurance because this industry is too big and too important and frankly, too data driven um, not to have that kind of infrastructure available. And that's that's our mission. That's what gets me up every day. Here's the problem. People mm -hmm. think that the siloing is happening for business reasons. And I mean, there are business reasons and so forth. I that think it's political reasons, but I can't, that's, political yeah. reasons, that's fine. But the, but the problem, but what I'm saying is when, when I have a large organization and I say, could, I want the people over there to use the, the data over there. Just mm -hmm. saying that doesn't make it happen. Yes. And people think that they can, they can do these back of envelope data architectures and, oh, I'm going to grab the data here and they grab this data feed here and connect it with social over here. And just because I can imagine it, it must exist. And that's great, but I can imagine a bridge that doesn't mean the bridge exists. There's a lot of actual work. The thing actually has to be built. They're actual infrastructures. And I think in software, people have a tendency to, to think that if I can imagine something, it must be, it must, someone must have created it. And sometimes, there's things that people can readily imagine that are straightforward things that you can imagine should exist. And then it turns out no one's actually built it. And, and there's, there's a lot of business to be done actually creating the things that most people think are already solved problems, but it turns out they're not. And policy administration is just, it's a, it's a, it's a gnarly problem that um, people like to think because they can imagine it, there must be several good ones out there. Of course. That's, that's how it works. And the best, uh, the best analogy beside the containers, yeah. um, that I, I heard an anecdote from, uh, Peter Thiel told me once, um, he was talking about the, the Chicago school of economics known for the, the, um, 
uh, believing in inefficient markets, believing markets are perfectly efficient. And um, the joke goes that you could go to the Chicago School of Economics and drop a $20 bill on the ground. Come mm -hmm. back a week later, it will still be there. Because everybody who walks by and sees it will think if that were a real $20 bill, someone would have picked it up by now. <laughs> and there's a lot of business to be made sometimes in picking up the $20 bill. Seriously? No. Now, is that a joke or is that like... It's a joke. Okay, just making sure because somehow... <laughs> but everyone there, the, the, what, the, what the, the Chicago School of Economics is known for uh, is believing in efficient markets, believing that market believing in efficient markets, not inefficient, believing in if the markets are efficient, like all possible human knowledge is factored into every, the price of oil and every, every currency and, and every stock price. It's all, everything's priced in perfectly efficient. Everything's priced in. If you have an idea, well, someone else must have had that idea and it must already be priced in. And now, the point, the point that, as it pertains here is there are certain infrastructures that just, that just people assume exist and they just, it turns out they don't exist. No one's written a good one. Because when you go to conferences, people are talking about AI and blockchain and you know, all, all these things that are way up here in the tech stack. Mm -hmm. And they don't talk about the fundamentals of how the data are actually organized and stored and shared and exchanged and represented and how things connect to other things and so forth. Um, because that's, it's, well, it's less interesting. It's, it's, um, it's less interesting to talk about blockchain. That's certainly the case, um, but it's needed. It's absolutely needed. What's your connection to Peter Thiel? Oh, oh, he, um, so, um, founder funds, angel fund led, um, a, a seed round of ours. Some of our very first money was led by them. Okay. Then, well, previously I was a Palantir, Peter Thiel's co-founder and, and, um, uh, chairman, I believe certainly on the board to this day. So how from that experience, you know, being part of the Palo Alto, let's even call it the elite, which which it is, and I know I'm going back to one of the first questions. How did you find yourself in insurance? Yeah, I mean, as, as it relates to um, you know, my previous experience, I'm, I'm passionate about data platforms and I'm passionate about seeing, seeing data representation, seeing data properly represented with proper APIs um, in, in cloud infrastructure that's always working. So it has a utility-like aspect. Mm -hmm. And I, I fundamentally believe that every industry is going to be turned upside down by data and, you know, read Mark Andreessen's software gets the world essay, which is now the essay is probably 10 years old now. Um, it, it's still playing out. It'll be playing out for another decade or two, um, whereby data is a mess everywhere you look. And when, when I'm looking at very well, before I even thought about insurance, I'm looking at different places, the need of data platforms and, if your background is data platforms and you're passionate about data platforms, the world is just a candy store of problems that you can solve. You look around, you're like, my gosh, that's how shipping logistics works. That's insane. Wow. That's how supply chain management works. That's how portfolio management works. I mean, sorry, how um, patent portfolio management works. All these sorts of things. Like, it's hard to find a data platform that isn't a mess. Um, certainly was the case in, in, in 2012, 2013, when I was really thinking hard about this, let alone like medical records, which is probably the, the, the most profound, uh, data, oh God. data storage representation problem, um, you know, out there. And I found an insurance, a really, really important data representation platform problem that nobody who with 
experienced in data platforms was was was, was thinking about. I mean, a lot of them are thinking about banking, um, certainly. And then, of course, entertainment advertisement is where, you know, the most of the money in transactions technology yeah. is and so forth. Yeah. So um, and then, of course, it came down to a specific opportunity. There's a private equity firm that was doing a roll up and, and, and needed software. And they had raised a significant amount of money mm-hmm. and was starting to buy in, um, insurance companies and then and, and just assumed we're going to give them the best software. And then did that research the software and, uh, that was available. And they look at the first one. Oh, oh, this looks pretty good. Looked at the website, talked to them. It's like, can we try the software? And it turns out, oh, they're, they're really just consultants selling custom software. They could, there's nothing to evaluate. There's no documentation to look at. It's, you have to like, you have to be in four meetings before they'll even tell you a price range. And like, okay, well, that must be a one-off. Then they go to the next one, the next one, the next one. And it turned out every single one of the policy administration system uh, providers were consultants selling custom, custom software. And they just thought, I think they thought was, this is a darn conspiracy. How on earth could this be the case? And I was, you know, got connected with them and I couldn't believe that I knew the software would be outdated. I yeah. knew that it'd be outdated. I knew it would be written in old programming languages. It would not be in the cloud. You know, API documentation would be bad. I knew that. I knew that would have to be the case. What I wasn't pre- prepared for was that none of them were even productized. There's not a there was not a product on the market. There's not a single policy administration system when I was looking at this in 2014, where you, an insurer could just request an eval license and some docs and try it out. I was like, this is insane. In 1985, I could I could get an eval license from Oracle and tried it out. Now I had to be technical to do it, but I could have done it because Oracle's database is a product. And it turns yeah, out those incumbents are actually selling products. We can and take this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just thinking about you. You opened so many different points here that I, I wonder which path or which rabbit hole we should choose to follow. Because I, I would really like to talk about, you know, where you're standing in terms of the company, you know, with your relationship to the different, uh, you know, very known names and, and venture capitalists, how, where you're standing and where you're going. But before that, I don't get the fact that, you know, you need to have four meetings before you can hear a price. There is so much suspicion and I don't know if it's misguided pricing or that's like, oh my God, you cannot talk how much we quoted you on services and solutions in the insurance industry. It seems to me, and there are a few companies that still have 80% of the market and dropping. And they'll still like, no, price is one of our secrets, business secrets, and we cannot talk about it, which is, it's uh, it just flabbergasting. I don't know if that's even the right uh, word for that. Well, the pricing is just an example. I mean, the, and it's not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem is it's, it's surprisingly hard. I challenge anyone looking at, you know, like it's surprisingly watching. It's surprisingly hard to go to the website of any policy administration system, except for Socotra, of course, actually figure out what, they actually, what it actually does. Mm-hmm. Find something where it writes about what it actually does. You're going to talk about how it's the thing of the future and it's going to make you go faster. It's and connecting. Great. And you oh, can God. roll out products. What is the thing you're actually selling? If I'm going to go to the website of a place, you know, a, a car manufacturer, I'm actually going to see a picture of the car. It's going to talk about the car. It's going to list the features of the car. <laughs> It yeah. seems like a, 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 an appropriate thing to have on the website of a product company if they're actually product companies. 
I find that much more alarming than pricing. And don't forget, how many actually people you need to hire in order to integrate it? How long is going to be an, intro, uh, an integration? How long does it take? Or what is the effort to launch a product or any information? Yeah. God this for- is part of why public documentation is so important. So public documentation, when I say public, I just mean like, you know, publishing your, your APIs on your website, just mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, I mentioned Trillion Stripe and AWS, of course, Google and, and, and Microsoft. But I mean, like, literally, um, it, we, we created a slide for a presentation I gave at, at ITC. We, we put a whole just smattering of logos of companies where you can go right on the website and get their, like SpaceX was up there. You can go to the APIs for SpaceX to like, the, those satellites have APIs and they're public. I mean, if you happen to have the login for a satellite, you can use it. But the point is that it's just, it, it, it's just so up. As soon as you walk out of the insurance industry to like any of these other companies you interact with, I mean, this is this is how a talented engineer in a weekend could you know make a piece of software where I can you know find all all places that have you know pizza within two miles of me on Google Map APIs, and then cross reference that over to Yelp to find the one the biggest highest rating, and then go over to DoorDash to its API and order one, and then like use. Um, Twilio to send the person a text to say that, you know, with delivery instruction. I mean, this is this is how these things can get built so rapidly. It's enormously powerful. And thus far, the insurance industry has been excluded from this because the core system where the data, where the policy is represented doesn't does, does, doesn't have that. Doesn't connect it. At the beginning, it, it was at the best at the best you can get a quote. Now maybe a bindable quote. Now maybe you can bind. And that's before we even talked about paying and connecting to the billing system and processing or, oh my God, an API with a transactional cost and how you process that. Ah, that's a little bit too much for one day. It's a, it, it's a lot. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm still trying to figure out. It's going to change the way enterprises work. It's like it's done in other industries. Like the use case I talked about, how, you know, a kid on a weekend can make this, Mm -hmm. you know, press a button and give me the highest rated pizza delivered to my door app. Um, That's that's the power of what's coming. And that's what's going to be coming to the enterprises, the back end systems within these insurers. And the ones that embrace it sooner rather than later are going to profit enormously both in their ability to launch new and innovative products quickly and, and iterate on them. And of course, and their ability to greatly reduce, reduce expenses, which of course, in, in the economic climate, um, the combined ratio is everything. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about, it's like, okay, how do I get a swagger file for, I don't know, for the satellite, uh, satellite API and from there, you know, you create this, um, parametric insurance once you have, I don't know, some sort of uh, a trigger yeah. and then you, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very cool. And someone's got to step up and write the policy administration component of the rich mosaic mm-hmm. of all the modern cloud-based um, best of breed ready um, enterprise um, components out there. And that's our mission. So going back to Sakotra, um, no. how long have you been in, in a, when did you start the company or how long have you been in operation? 14. 2014, so yes. Okay. How much money did you raise so far? We raised 45 million so far. That's it. 
That's actually, it's not, it's not that sad. But when you think about 45 million for a core system and yeah. the prices it's and what we've seen, uh, yeah, that's very efficient. Uh, how many people are on the team? Um, around 85 right now. It's but it's we we started the year. All told, we will have more than doubled in 2021. Wow! I think we started the year at 44, and I think we are going to clear 88 by the end of the year. So we got a few starting tomorrow. Congratulations! Just yeah. before the the New Year's. Indeed. Yeah, so we are recording that in the week before between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Most likely, this will be the first episode in 2022. So, oh, yes. That will be great. Well, I should note, yes. <laughs> Being recorded on um, uh, December 27th. Yes. So so people will get a better feeling where we're at in our time, timeline. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Anything else that you want to touch and talk about? Um, I think so. And we're going to edit so I get to think for a moment. Yeah, of course. That's the idea. Yeah. What are the investors? I think, hmm? oh. so, no. I think the I think the one other thing to Give you a second for good editing. I think the only other thing to touch on is um, reiterate that for those who agree with us on where the industry needs to go, where enterprise software is going about cloud, open APIs and so forth, um, we are hosting our conference on uh, uh, January 27th mm -hmm. and it will be a large collection of um, forward thinking insurers, partners of ours, working with us in the ecosystem who think the same, the similar ways that we do system integrator partners, um, other technologies and so forth. And the theme is, um, really around the enterprise architecture of the future, this things plugging together, a celebration of open APIs, true cloud and the innovations that can come from that. And so, I'm going to be there. there. Looking forward to seeing you there as well. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm, I already checked. It's only 25 minutes from San Jose Airport, which that's the recommended. And unless you really want to to land in SFO or drive from there, um, yeah, no, that's that's going to be very exciting. Now, let me ask you the last question that I'm asking everyone who comes to the podcast. Please give us a recommendation, a, a life hack, something that you picked up in the past, well, almost two years since COVID. Yeah, so I think during COVID, I really doubled down. Frankly, I doubled down on health quite a bit. So mm -hmm. um, it got a lot easier when I wasn't going out as much. So I was able to. I'd never counted macros before, got in, got on that wagon and it, it, it made a surprising difference. I learned like how, how mathematical it can be that eat this, achieve this body shape and so forth. Um, then I also um, built the home gym because I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go out to my regular gym. And um, uh, I guess you could say that what they've been telling me my whole life in terms of what to eat and how much to exercise, I finally took them up on it and it turns out they were right. <laughs> Also, I think that in that era, you know, I got into more in, into the 
chemistry that goes into in the body so not every yeah. calorie is the same thing there is a, oh, yeah, yeah. even within you know we like to talk about sugars or sucrose fructose and great I'm now I forget oh, yeah, carbs, protein being the big ones and of course you got fiber and sugar alcohol but so. yeah but it's more about the type of the molecules of the sugars and where mm-hmm. each one of them is being digested if it's in the liver or other okay and when because what type of enzymes or hormones you need to within the body and yeah. then of course what type of exercise so it's yeah. actually so it's and then I, have you done fasting hmm? uh, in, intermittent fasting and things like that yeah so I my, ex- I, yeah i experimented with yeah. that as well so I kicked off a couple of years ago. My mm-hmm. trainer just had me start with a 36-hour fast. I thought I was going to die. I mean, I'm sorry. I wow. thought going into it, someone said, oh, you're going to not eat for 36 hours. I would thought I was going to die. It turns out that this was a fantastic discovery, is that when you're fasting, you're not any more hungry than any other time. In fact, you're probably less hungry because you get hungry when your body's like, you eat, 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 stop. If it's just stop, then I was amazed at how not hungry I was. So now I do a, a 36 hour fast once a month. I do two 18s a week and then I'll do like a 50 some hour one, like once a year. Oh, wow. Do kick off the new year with it. That's well, that's impressive. I did a, a 16, eight for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. kept that. And then uh, four weeks there, two weeks there from time to time, play with that. I did not do 24 hours or the 36. That sound, I like to eat. I, I really enjoy oh, eating. Oh, so, but that's the last thing that people don't uh, understand when I describe this. They think I'm doing it so that I could like be like super thin, which is really would be cool too. Actually, you appreciate but the food more. The reason is um, it's so that when you do eat, you can eat, the, you can, you can, you can have that much more. <laughs> you can eat more. Well, you I am should. having the wine party and <laughs> and five courses. And you and cherish like, it, and you I pick the I best quality. Six-hour fast earlier in the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I think that we are good with all the recommendations and other information for everyone. We already reached fifty minutes, so over past fifteen, but that's fine. It's also good. Fantastic, Dan. Thank you very much for joining me today. Have a happy new year. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to seeing you on the 27th. Happy new year. Happy new year.